I walked into places that I knew were probably drug houses, and not because I was brave, but because that's a mother's heart, and something just takes over and you think, I need to rescue my son in there. Hello and welcome to First Person and a conversation with Sherry Ison, a woman who has suffered a great deal of loss in her life, but has placed her trust fully in God and His care. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll meet Sherry in just a moment. Thanks for taking a few minutes to listen to this program. Every week we introduce you to someone who is making a difference for the kingdom of God. Some of the names you may recognize and some you may not, but all are being used of God in some special way. These conversations are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which works in nearly 50 countries of the world, to make God's love known through radio and new media. Take a few moments to learn more about FEBC by visiting our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you can also explore the audio archive and view the schedule of upcoming programs, firstpersoninterview.com. We're also found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Sherry Eisen has suffered great losses in her life, first an unwanted divorce, then the death of a son, and later the death of a husband from illness. But through these experiences, she is learning to trust Christ more and more and is looking to help others who are suffering. I asked Sherry if she would be willing to share her story with us on First Person, beginning with a verse of Scripture that means much to her at this moment. I think the premise of this is found in Romans eight thirty seven. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I think uh, in the course of life, not just mine, but anyone, that we face unexpected journeys. We, sp- um, we run into difficulties and um, uh, we experience things that we never thought we would experience. And sometimes they are overwhelming. Sometimes people feel despair or devastated by them. But the truth is that we in Christ are really more than conquerors because He is our sustainer. He's the one who brings us through. And I am convinced of that and have become more and more convinced of that through my life that He proves Himself faithful. You've just given us the outline for the conversation to come for the next several minutes mm-hmm. here because that that describes the life that you've lived thus far. It's been a life of unexpected twists and turns, hasn't it? Yes, it has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, Before we go into all of that, just tell me about your walk with Christ. When did that begin? Well, I was young. Um, I will honestly say from the time I was very little, I had a sense that Jesus was real and present. And um, when I was 12, I remember kneeling down by my bedside and saying, Lord, I don't know what it all means, but I really want to follow you. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning. And um, there was just always a sense that Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that decision, um, I think many people would say, well, then life will take care of itself and all will be uh, <laughs> sweetness and light. And that's not exactly how it's turned out for you, although you you do rejoice in Christ at, at, this, at this time, Sherry. But take me back. When, when did things begin to turn for you? Well, I think um, – any of us are going to face these types of things. Yes, we do believe that if we belong to Christ that everything should be smooth sailing. But the truth is that that is not our greatest growth. And he takes us through stormy places and difficult, rugged paths because he loves us and because he wants us to grow and mature and be more Christ-like. And I don't believe that happens 
when we have smooth sailing all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think my first real experience with it was um, I was married and um, for a long time, and my first husband uh, came to me one day and said, I just don't love you anymore, and he mm-hmm. really wanted out of the marriage. Uh, we oh. had a little boy, and uh, we had waited a long time for him. In fact, we adopted him, and um, to say that I was devastated really would be an understatement. I remember thinking, I don't think my heart can survive this. And um, you commit and you think that your marriage is going to be lifelong because that's your commitment. But um, sometimes uh, you can't make someone love you and you can't make someone stay. And so I went to the same place I had gone all of my life, and that was back to my Savior. And I just poured it out before him and said, you are going to have to see me through this because I don't have the strength to do it, and I'm frightened. And uh, So instead of shaking your faith, it really drove you deeper. Oh, Christ. it drove me to my knees. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and that's, Did you have other people alongside you who could encourage you in that regard? My parents have always been a wonderful, wonderful support. And so I did talk with them. I, I told them what was happening. And um, because uh, at that point um, I had a little boy who was eight, and there were concerns and all of it, so they were wonderful in being there. Uh, I didn't share it for a year because I was very ashamed, and so I kept it very quiet. Mm. And um, eventually I knew that you, you can't hide. You have, to, you have to face life as it is, and you have to step forward and, and just say this is the reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So despite your own desires, that marriage ended. It ended. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me about your son then. Well, um, he was a sweet little guy. And um, I think this had an enormous impact, as it does with all children. My son um, had ADHD, and um, he was a pretty active little guy and uh, a big heart and more energy than he knew what to do with and sometimes <laughs> than I knew what to do with. But... Um, I think as it happens with some children, he kept wondering if it was his fault, and it took a lot of time and encouragement to let him know it was not, um, that he hadn't done anything to cause it, that he was still deeply loved by both of us, and um, those were trying times. I did begin to see a lot of questioning and confusion and not being sure where he belonged and who he belonged with. And so those were some things that uh, began to arise in it. And we worked really hard, but uh, I think it was a contributing factor, not the whole thing, because the truth is there are children that come from divorced homes that um, they survive it. Yes, there's wounds, but they survive it well. I think in my case that... uh, Nathan, um, combined with his ADHD, he was a little guy in in size, and um, he just needed something around him to make him feel like he belonged. And as much as we tried, myself and my mom and dad, um, and my ex-husband did see him, um, there was just something that began to be really hurting and, and longing in him. And he as he got older, began to find it in wrong crowds. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
And you remained a single mom while you were raising him after the divorce? Um, I was a single mom for five years, yes. And that happened through his preteen and early teen years? (laughs) Yes, it did. Critical time, huh? It is a critical time. And, um, you know, I think I've often heard people say, well, children are very resilient and they will get through all of this. And yes, children are resilient. But I think also they put up pretty good fronts when they have hurting hearts as well. You can do everything possible to reassure them, to love them, to encourage them. There's, there's individual personalities, and each one handles it in their, their own ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said Nathan began to uh, hang out with the wrong crowd. He did. Um, tell me more of his story. Um, as I mentioned, he was a little bit on the small stature side, and um, I noticed that uh, he began to hang with uh, some people that were bigger. He felt protected. I remember him coming home one day and saying, you know, I'm with this guy, and, and I always feel like when I'm with him that he's got my back or he's pretty strong and he could take on anything. And um, we had a lot of talks about that, uh, about being careful of it. I would invite uh, his friends to the house so I could get to know who they were. And um, I had some concerns, and we talked openly about it. What I did not know at that time um, is that Nathan began to um, self-medicate, and he got involved with drugs. And because I did not know um, with his ADHD and with the the teenage thing that was coming up, was this just um, part of it? Was he acting out? And because I had no knowledge of drugs or what their what they look like, what problems they caused, uh, I didn't know what I was looking at. And um, he began with experimentation. I, I later found out with marijuana, and uh, it it grew from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and eventually it took his life. It did take his life. Mm-hmm. Many years, the battle went on for a, a long time. And um, he was in and out of jail, and uh, he, we went through drug programs. We went through all kinds of intervention to try to save him. And I think the reality is, Wayne, that anyone that is a drug addict does not want to be a drug addict. Um, Nathan lied to himself often by saying, I will beat this. I can do this. And we had regular talks about, you know, none of us on our own can do this. We need help. First and foremost, we need the help of Christ, and we need the help of professionals. And so we went through that for years and years, and um, he would come to places where he would just, I'd see some light, and then something would happen that was a crisis or something sorrowful, and he would default to going back to drugs. He would just mm-hmm. numb the pain. He would he would get away from the whole reality of it. And um, I, I won't deny that there were years that it was just walking through hell because mm-hmm. when you have um, anyone in your family that is involved with drugs, you are no longer talking to that person. You are trying to reason and you're trying to reach their heart. And more often than not, you are talking to a drug. And um, yeah. when he would come to those moments when he would be away from it and he would come back to a sense of reality, um, he would often confess how he knew his behavior was awful. And he would talk about that, and he kept saying, Mom, I really I really want to beat this. But um, And I even saw him 
times when he would just dissolve. Very rarely would he let the armor down. But there were a few times when I saw him where he was just at the end of his rope. And, um, and, and of course, when you're in that, one bad thing leads to another bad thing, and you're always in trouble. And we had police officers involved at our house. And um, so it was, it was ongoing. I would get calls in the middle of the night. And, and there were times when he would be gone, I would be out looking for him in the middle of the night. Um, I walked into... Um, places that I knew were probably drug houses, and not because I was brave, but because that's a mother's heart. And something just takes over and you think, I need to rescue my son in there. And um, so we went through many, many years of that and until I just saw him reach places of saying, I'm broken and I don't know what to do. We'll continue talking with Sherry Eisen about following Christ, even though it's not easy here on First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC partners with First Person to bring these interviews to you each week because we never tire of hearing how God moves on the hearts of people to accomplish His purpose. Whether in the hard-to-reach places of the world or right here at home, we serve a living God who leads men and women to do great things for Him. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the FEBC banner. My guest is Sherry Eisen, who's sharing her life with us here today on First Person. Sherry, you have a new website that you've launched. This is a step of faith for you. This is, I yes. don't think, something that you envisioned yourself doing at one time, but no. you feel God has led you to do this. What, what's the purpose of your site? Yes, I really do feel that this is a leading of God, and um, the purpose of the site is to help people through adversities in life. I think um, I see so much around me of people that are despairing, they're hurting, um, there has been loss or divorce or children that are hurting. Um, there's just multiple issues that take place in life because that's part of our human condition. And um, I think as I have gone through the things that God has allowed in my life, I don't think that you ever take sorrows and you don't waste them. You don't uh, sweep them under the carpet and you don't hide them. You recognize that we have a faithful God who can use the worst things and can bring good out of it. And so um, I lost my job last April. And when that happened, I thought, <laughs> now what? And <laughs> surprisingly, I was finding that I was I was very well taken care of by my Lord. I managed to get through. I knew how to tighten my belt. and But in the course of that, I kept having this idea come back that wouldn't go away. You have written for years. I don't want this just sitting here. And so the idea began to formulate that maybe I'm being called to do something here that I had never expected. And um, interestingly, that was solidified without me ever saying anything to anyone by some professional friends that I had, and family began to say that same thing. So I just bathed it in prayer and said, if this is the direction you're taking me, then I will follow you. And uh, I have to follow Yes, you. exactly. Yeah, that's one of the themes that, that we like to explore on this program is God's calling, mm -hmm. and uh, you have definitely sensed that call mm -hmm. uh, to do something. In your case, it's a website to help reach out and to minister to other people who perhaps are hurting in yes. ways that you have hurt and have found uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, Christ to be all to you and, and point others to Christ. So Absolutely. When we left off a few moments ago, your son, Nathan, mm-hmm. uh, had died of a drug overdose. Yes. I understand that you were the one who found Nathan in his room. Yes. That day, that had to be so extremely painful. Were you remarried at this time? Yes, I was. And um, my second husband, Dave, was just a kind and very compassionate man. And um, I'm always amazed that he just never faltered at all in all the years of this. Um, But he he just really stayed by my side and was a great encourager. Um, At that particular time... Um, Dave was in the hospital. He had uh, rather severe diabetes, and um, he had a a really bad foot ulcer that had been serious enough that it it hospitalized him. So the morning I found Nathan, Dave was not home. He was in the hospital. And um, I thought it unusual that the door was opened from – he had a a room downstairs, and – Usually he was gone because he was very punctual and he wanted to get out to work. But um, there was just an unusual sense of why the the lights were still on and what was going on. And when I went downstairs, I I found him. I wasn't sure if he was still alive, but um, I turned him over and um, I tried to perform CPR. I called 911 immediately and uh, began working on him, and they came very quickly after that, and uh, they took him. I knew when they brought him um, upstairs that he was gone. I I just knew he was gone. Mm -hmm. As only a mother could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if that weren't enough, then Dave's crisis, health crisis, came along, and you said he was in the hospital at this time. and. The Lord took him home. Yes. Uh, he came home from the hospital, and um, he was a fighter, and he just persevered through all of it and never uttered a word of complaint. That was just his nature. But um, the diabetes was serious enough that uh, it caused some complications, and it was uh, 13 months to the day later that um, that he passed, and uh, he actually went into a, a coma. And uh, they called me from work and said, you need to get down to the hospital right away. And um, that was the last consciousness. I I did not see him conscious after that. Grief upon grief, Sherry. Uh, What's going on with you at this time then? I remember when Nathan died, uh, there was a horrendous grief in his room. And at the same time, there was this unexplainable sense that I was not alone in that room. I I really could feel the presence of God's Spirit in a way that was sustaining, even in the midst of the tears. And that following year, um, when Dave was in the hospital, we had the family gathered because this, this was a, a couple of days where he was on a ventilator and we had some decisions to make. And I remember sitting alone in the uh, ICU with my husband and thinking, I I know he does not want to remain in this state, and a tough decision has to be made here. So I gave it back to the Lord and said, you tell me what we need to do, and we're going to pull him from this ventilator. If it is your will that he remains, then he is going to remain. But um, this is not life that he has right now, and we knew that. So we took him off, and um, he died peacefully within about a half an hour. And he was surrounded by all of the family. He had a very large family, 
and um, there was a peace there. There really was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of grief, but a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. So first comes divorce, unwanted divorce, and then comes a son who struggled and eventually uh, passed away from a drug overdose, mm-hmm. and then a husband who dies. Mm-hmm. Um, unemployment, you mentioned a few moments ago, that led to this new website. It did. But I know through all of this, Sherry, you, you, somehow it, this hasn't turned to you. This has turned you to the Lord. And I want to explore a little bit further with mm-hmm. you and find out why that is and how that is. When we come to a humble place of realizing that we are not self-made, um, life is not about us, though we are tenderly loved and we belong to, to God, life is about Him. And I think that the closer we draw to Him and the more we give all of our circumstances, everything that comes to us and looking not from trying to understand it by our own knowledge, but looking up and saying, what do you want me to learn about this? What is there that I need to know? Because I trust him completely. I trusted him with the life of my son. I trusted him with the life of my husband. And so people would say, well, but he took them. But we don't know when he works what the purpose in all of that is. And if he promises us that he is working all things together for good— I have a choice. I'm either going to believe that he is who he says he is and that his word is true and he is faithful, or I'm going to withdraw into my own sense of I'm going to figure everything out on my own. And I will tell you, Wayne, to do that, it's destructive. There, There is no hope in that. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. And um, they're not just shallow words. When we trust him that much— he really comes alongside of us, and he really does make ways for us that we can't see. He really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What meant the most to you in your grief uh, from other people? Uh, I know you, you want to reach out and help others now, but what meant the most to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember um, of sisters in Christ and, and family that I had just coming alongside and not really saying a whole lot, but being there. Presence. They they yeah. were there. Um, there were some um, that rang the doorbell, and they just came in. Um, they had me sit down. They would make a cup of coffee, and um, some would just come by and take my hand. Or they didn't have to be a lot of words. It was just knowing that they loved me, I loved them, and both of us loved the Lord. That is a, a very powerful ministering right there. Yeah, and they did the same when when Dave had died. Right at the and, hospital, and, I remember looking and uh, seeing five of my sisters come down the hall that we were part of a, a, a fellowship together, and it was the middle of the night, and they came in, and it was very very tender. Our guest has been Sherry Ison. Her website is aimed at offering God's comfort to anyone who is hurting, and you'll find a link to her site called Thoughts Along the Way at FirstPersonInterview.com. As always, special thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making these weekly conversations possible. I recently had an opportunity to visit an FEBC radio station in a country that might surprise you to learn that allows a Christian radio station, and it reminded me of how important this ministry is in proclaiming the gospel. Learn more when you click the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. Next time, our guest will be actor, author, and speaker T.C. Stallings, who among other roles played Tony Jordan in War Room. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Please join us next time for First Person. 